0: The Sports Stance. Hey, everyone, and welcome to The Sports Stance. I am your host, Greg, and yes, I almost got disqualified and was not able to do this podcast. Luckily, after review... They went back to the tape. They checked everything. They made sure I was in my lane. I stayed in my lane. Didn't disrupt anybody else. Didn't bother anybody. Didn't make anybody fall back. I stayed in my lane. Therefore, I'm allowed to be here. I am the winner to host the Sports Stance this week and every week because that's what I do. I am the host of the Sports Stance. And unlike the Kentucky Derby, nobody can tell me to stay in my lane. It doesn't matter if I go off my lane. Nobody can say otherwise. But the Kentucky Derby was bonanza, to put it simply. Two-minute race, 20-minute review. Tell me what other sport you can get that in. None. There is no other sport that you can have a two-minute event that is built up to all day. And then afterwards, there is a challenge, a review, and that takes 10 times as long to figure out than the race itself. It's just crazy. And I hope for all of you out there who used the Twin Spires account to put your bets down. If you got Country House, good for you. You don't deserve to win. Just know that. It's fake money that you won. It's real. But in my mind, it's fake because it shouldn't have happened. Maximum Security was clearly the best horse. It was a terrible looking track. But hey, what are you going to do about it? I guess, what I'm doing and complaining about it. Luckily, I didn't have any money down because I don't understand horse r- racing and betting. I don't trust myself to pick the correct horse at all, ever, anytime. But now I might just because, hey, might put some money down, be wrong, and then 10 minutes later, be right. Because that's essentially what happened. It was the Steve Harvey, Miss America, Oscars, fiascos, all that of horse racing. I mean, imagine if NFL referees last year, even in the Saints game, imagine they were able to review that play, the pass interference, and it took 20 minutes to figure it out. That'd be crazy. You have people standing in line thinking they're going to cash their ticket for the horse that won, and then they come to find out, nope, not happening. What happens if you got there right after the horse won, cashed in your ticket? Do you have to go back? I don't know how that works. I don't know if they are able to do that and cash out until officially, officially, a horse has been named winner. I don't know. I don't understand it. That's why I said I don't bet on it. Plain and simple. I stick to basketball, baseball, football, sports I know and know how to bet on. That's what I stick with. But the Kentucky Derby, I've seen conflicting things where it was the first time ever a horse got DQ'd. Maybe it was the second time. I'm not sure. For the most part, most people believe this is the first time a horse has got disqualified from the Kentucky Derby that won the Kentucky Derby. That seems to be the case. Which is, it's nuts to think about if you didn't watch it. I know it was a week ago. But, check it out. Tell me when if you see the interference. Tell me if you see what happened. Because, clearly, it took 20 minutes for people like me to even understand what they were trying to say happened. Where the horse maximum security who ended up winning by a One and a half lengths that doesn't matter what happened back there. I feel like if you win by that margin, give it to him. Clearly he was going to win. Plain and simple. That's how I see it. But they say he moved out of his lane that he was in, disrupting other horses. That caused horses to lose momentum. Therefore, Country House, who came in second, would have won the Derby in their minds if they did not have that interference. Which we don't even get when country horse, house, of course, I'm going to keep saying it. I'm going to keep messing that up the whole time I talk about this country house finished in second, barely. I mean, there was a horse like almost neck and neck with it when it crossed. Who's to say that horse actually didn't get affected more. This is what I don't understand. Either rerun the race or just keep it how it is. But they didn't. And a 65 to one odds maker got paid out big time. If you put a bet down plain and simple. You took a gamble and put $100 on every horse, you walked out with $6,500 because of one horse. It's pretty good. It's like a 20-horse field. So you put down two grand. you walk out with a $4,500 profit. I'd take that every time. That's how I would gamble the Derby. I would just put the same amount of money on every single horse. Because if the long shot wins, I make money. If it doesn't win, I lose some money. But hey, I still technically can say I picked the right horse. Does Does that seem wrong? I feel, like that, I feel like that I would be looked down upon by horse betters for saying that. Which is fine. I get it. But do you want to know what is the most ridiculous thing about all of this? And it's why it's the boo, you suck moment of the week. Boo, you suck! That's right. Love that sound effect. Best sound effect I think I have. Mm, mm, that's not true. The really skip is pretty awesome with Shannon Sharp. Anyway. The boo, you suck is definitely country house and it's jockey who basically said a sore loser can complain and get his way because not only did country house end up winning the derby through a million dollars making maximum security on the jockey drop prices significantly i mean maximum security is not going to be put out to a stable and get tons of money now for winning the kentucky derby like previous winners do somehow country house is going to make that ridiculous the poor jockey who was on maximum security now has to deal with that. People are going to judge him. Jockeys are not always in the best state of mind. The poor trainer who they interviewed right after, whose brother had won one, a Kentucky Derby as a trainer. Now he had one, you know, great moment for them was taken away. Like all these different things that go into it because country houses, jockey just couldn't let things be. He had to be like, Hey, This horse got in my lane. He was in the lead, all right? This is how I see it. It's not like track where if you get out of your lane completely, fine, whatever. You're in the lead. You're going around a muddy, wet track on a young horse with a crowd cheering that they are not used to. You got to expect they unexpected. They're horses. They're wild animals. You cannot control them like you can a car. If it was a car anything else, I understand. They're horses. Anything can happen. You do your best to handle it. I thought they did. Maximum security uh, Yes he moved And got in some other horse's way But he's in the lead You have to deal with it If you don't want to deal with it Don't be in second Or third Or last Whatever it is Beat him Plain and simple He was in the lead I think he should be able to make Whatever movements he wants I understand there's horse racing rules Hence why it took 20 minutes But that's I believe that I mean the track Was muddy Traction was not the best Gets loose a little bit Can you really blame jockey? Can you really take it out on the horse who doesn't understand what's going on? I mean, no. You can't. You shouldn't. Therefore, Country House, boo you. But also, not only did Country House win the Derby, but now there's no chance of the Triple Crown. Do you want to know why? Do you want to know why? Country House won't be in the Preakness. Why? Because he has a cough. Really? He has a cough? The Derby, the Preakness isn't like a week and a half. You don't think the cough will be gone by then? All the blood work says the horse is fine. There might be a little bit of a virus. I get it. He's an animal. You got to take care of him. He's going to be sick. If he's healthy enough to run, put him in. At least make it seem like you're attempting to go after the crown. Now, it looks even worse because maximum security runs the Preakness. What if he wins the Preakness? What if he runs the Belmont, wins the Belmont? Should have won the Triple Crown. But no, because Country House complained And went all, I'm a sore loser. Your horse moved in front of me and made me lose my momentum. Doesn't happen. That's why, country house... You suck! Yeah, exactly. That sound says it all. But, hey, enough with the derby talk. Enough horsing around. That was my banging on my desk to do the whole ba-dum-bum. Probably should have done that. That would have made more sense, right? Anyway, we're going to get to a quick commercial... We're going to promote Twin Spires promoting us, so here we go. Ever want to put a wager on a horse but just don't know where to do it? Go to TwinSpires.com and enter promo code 12 ouncesports Put all the bets you want down on any horse you want. That horse with the funny name? Put a bet on it. That horse with the name you've actually heard of? Put a bet on it. You can do it all at TwinSpires.com, and again, make sure you put in 12 sports promo code, get a really good time been on a few horses have a little fun all right enough horse play. let's get into some NBA playoff talk you know that's all we want to do let's just talk about the NBA that's what we've been waiting for that's what you've been waiting for and I'm not gonna lie I am recording this part on a Thursday night so I have no idea who won Nuggets Blazers Sixers Raptors so we're just gonna wrap this up in a nice package for everybody that's listening here it is wow the Nuggets advanced to the Western Conference playoffs. The Joker went off. Murray, Millsap had great nights for the Nuggets. Dame Lillard and McCollum could just not put it away and advance until Game 7. Who would have thought? Not me. I really thought the Blazers were going to win. Okay, here we go now. Oh, my God. The Blazers forced a Game 7. Nuggets, Blazers, Dame Lillard. It was Dame time. Joker put up a fight, but he could not take down the man, Dame Lillard. McCollum, even Aminu had some shots. Didn't see it coming. Cantor playing through the shoulder injury. This series is going to full game sevens. The Nuggets just don't like to play less than seven games in a series. thought that was pretty good. I'm not going to lie. All right. Raptors Sixers. Joel Embiid gets over the stomach issues, leads the Sixers, into a big win at home to force a Game 7 back in Toronto where he's going to hopefully slam the ball into Drake's face. Ben Simmons actually looked like a basketball player who could take some shots, not three-pointers, of course. And then Jimmy James Butler did what he's been doing all series, putting up big numbers. And Kawhi's got to, you know, just cry back to Toronto. I don't know. All right, and here's for the Toronto fans. Hey, Toronto, you made it to the Eastern Conference Finals. You get to face Giannis. Have fun with that. But, hey, Kawhi Leonard played really well. Kyle Lowry got over his playoff yips, getting into the big Eastern Conference Finals. Let's see how much he can do there. Probably like two points a game because that's just what Lowry does. He's winding down his season. He's not conditioned to go this far. But, hey, congrats. You made it. You beat the Sixers. You beat Joel Embiid in his stomach issues. Congrats. All right, that's all covered. That's good. Everybody good? Everybody comfortable with that? All right, let's talk about the series that we all just care about. Oh, yeah, Bucks Bucks beat the Celtics in five. We'll get to that after this. We're going to talk about Warriors Rockets because, honestly, is there any other series worth watching right now outside of Warriors Rockets? This is essentially the NBA Finals. It's the series everybody wanted to see. It's a round earlier than everybody was hoping for, but this is what we get. And, man, has it taken some twists and turns. Warriors go up two games to none. Do it all at Oracle. You're like, okay, Rockets. James Harden looking like a Cyclops Terminator. It's just not going to happen. We thought this was going to be serious. It's not a series at all. Chris Paul looking old. Then we go to Houston. Two big wins for the Rockets. Home court advantage is a thing. Both teams securing their home court. Would it continue in game five? Yes. Warriors win. But not without some consequences. So this is what we really need to talk about. Because honestly, I could do a whole hour on this, but I won't. Don't worry. I'm not doing a whole hour. But I'm going to do a little bit. Kevin Durant. We all saw it. We all gasped. If you didn't see it, you were sleeping like a normal person. Especially if you live on the East Coast. Because the game went till 1 in the morning. These 10.30 starts are killing me. I gotta, I'm a stay-at-home dad. i got to watch a kid all day. That is very tiring. I have to like, drink three energy drinks just to make it to 10.30. I'm not going to lie. I fell asleep in the middle of the game. I woke up in the second quarter. I No, I fell asleep in the second quarter. I woke up. It was the third quarter. So I got a power nap, so it was good. I did not sleep through the Kevin Durant injury, which is really what we all gasped about. So when you saw it, you know what your reaction was. Oh, shiitake mushrooms. It's my way around cursing on radio. It's pretty smart. You use them in front of your kids too, little dad tip. Anyway, he comes down after a shot, looks normal, takes two steps, then he kind of he kind of jumps up, grabs his calf area, but the way he does it, it kind of looks like he got kicked. He looks behind him, and that's when he knew it. Everybody's stomach dropped. Whether you like the Warriors, whether you like KD or not, you go. It's his Achilles. His tendon ruptured. We saw it with Kobe. We've seen it with Boogie Cousins. You you just saw the signs and you were like, Oh no, this isn't good. Not because people who there's been people on Twitter who were like, I wanted this to happen. No, you didn't. Don't. You're just being a hard-ass troll on the internet who thinks he's cool by saying, I was hoping Kevin Durant towards Achilles. Stop it. Nobody wanted to see that. Kevin Durant has been a man among men this playoffs. He came out and said, I am Kevin Durant. And he has shown up since then. He has been carrying the Warriors on his back. Steph has been horrible this whole series. He has missed so many wide-open layups. He can't hit threes. The majority of the time, I think he's like 20% from three in this series. Like Kevin Durant put, is putting the Warriors on his back. Probably why we all thought it's Achilles rupture because there's just so much pressure on him. They're coming out saying it's a calf strain. It has to be a bad calf strain. He didn't return. It was at the end of the third quarter. He did not come back for the fourth quarter. He didn't even come out of the locker room. We all... If you're telling me that's not doctors in sports medicine came out saying, "Oh, it's an Achilles." Like there's no way that's not an Achilles. So the fact that they're saying it's a calf strain with how he walked off the court, how it was just it just looked weird, how he did every single it's the same thing as like Kobe and other guys that we've seen t- rupture their Achilles, I I don't know. It's a break for the Warriors in the long run if they can overcome Losing him in Game 6. Because Game 6 is in Houston. It's a must win for Houston, obviously. If the Warriors make it past, depending on how long Katie is out for, it could get hard. It's going to be hard in Game 6. Plain and simple. The fact they won last night is a miracle. The Rockets came back from huge deficits, which if they hadn't had to make all those runs, they probably end up winning last night. But, Katie goes out. You can feel the crowd deflate. You think, okay, the Rockets, Harden, and Paul are going to take advantage of this moment. They're going to seize the day. They're going to do it. They didn't. The Warriors find energy. Steph hits a few big threes. Clay had played well all night. Got 27 points after the rumors about him not wanting to be a third option. Draymond just did what Draymond does, which... As much as I don't like Draymond Green, he is a great all-around player. He can rebound, assist, not really score, but he'll put up 12, 13 points for you tonight, night, which is all you need when you're getting 8, 9 assists out of him and 10 plus rebounds. Plus the just the tenacity that he brings. Granted, he got teed up last night for doing a dumb little knee poke to Chris Paul's head, which, come on, just keep, keep the emotions in check. We all know you do these little cheap shots. The refs are looking for it. You've already clawed James Harden's face like eight times this series. So stop it, Draymond. Just stop it. But they find the energy. They get going. It, they look like the Warriors back in 2016, 15, when it was the core three of Steph Clay and Draymond on their first title run. They look like that group. Talented group. Can put up big numbers quick, fast. And they did. It also helps that James Harden attempted one shot in the entire fourth quarter, and it was a layup at the very end of the game. Where Harden went, nobody knows. He disappeared like KD. It was like, Kevin's off the floor? I guess I don't have to play anymore. But you did, James. This was your moment to put all the critics behind you. People saying you don't show up in big games. You could have put them behind, but you didn't. You didn't put him behind you, and it doesn't make any sense why. For a guy that takes so many shots, for a guy that scored 31 last night, where were you in the fourth quarter? I'm waiting. We're all waiting for an answer. He said he had to look at the tape to see what happened. You don't have to look at the tape. Durant went out. You had literally Klay Thompson, Steph Curry, and Draymond defending you. You've had it all serious and you've dealt fine with it. What happened? Did you choke? Did you get too relaxed after Katie went out thinking, we got this? Because you didn't. You ended up losing. A game that you should have ended up winning when you don't have their best player playing the entire fourth quarter. Not to mention with a minute and a half left, Jamon Green fouled out and you were down by like three. Take advantage of those moments. You need to. Now it's going to be interesting on Friday. Kevin Durant's already been rolled out for Friday. Capturing is bad enough. They already know he's not playing. So game plan for him not there. That's a lot of points that the Warriors have to make up for. Because before KD went out, he still had 20 plus points, I believe. Don't let stuff get hot. Keep Clay contained. That's it. You keep that going. If you contain both of those guys, who's going to hurt you? Andre Iguodala, Draymond, Drebko, Sean Livingston, none of these names are terrifying. And they shouldn't be. The Warriors lack bench depth. Take advantage of it. This is your time. This is the CP3 hamstring injury from last year. Where Houston had the advantage. They had to win one of two games and they couldn't because Chris Paul was hurt. One of their top contributors. And they couldn't take advantage of it like the Warriors did. This year, reverse situation. Literally. Take advantage of it. Do what the Warriors did to you last year. We all want to see it. We didn't want to see it like this. We would have loved to have the Rockets beat the Warriors full strength. But they're not. So take advantage of it. Do what we all want to see. None of us want to see the Warriors keep going. We all want to see that team implode more so just out of fun for what the media will do with it, what we can say about it, just to watch Kevin Durant be like, fine, I'm going to the Knicks. That's what we all want to see. As much as we hate to say it, we all want to see it. Are we sore losers? A little bit. Do we care? Not really. What's been going on in this series, though, is just crazy. Kevin Durant has literally won kind of three games. Yes, Steph and Clay finally had to step up last night, but they were still both in the 20s. Katie was carrying that team throughout that whole first part of the game. So it's just, it's very odd to see. I'm not sure what to expect. For all we know, the Warriors are going to come out and blow the socks off the Rockets, which that would be something. But it also wouldn't be that crazy considering the fact that Chris Paul, along with James Harden, is not living up to the billing, especially in the fourth quarter or in general. To put it in perspective, Chris Paul next year will be making... million. Think about that. $38 million for a washed-up Chris Paul. And I say washed-up in the nicest way. Mainly because Chris Paul, yes, is still very talented. Most teams would be thrilled to have him. Let's not lie. But it's a lot of money to pay a guy who has done this so far. Game 1, 17 points, 4 assists. Game 2, 18 points, 6 assists. Game three, 14 points, seven assists. Game four, 13 points, five assists. Game five, 11 points, six assists on three of 14 shooting. Woof, not good at all. You need your two stars to step up in situations like this because Eric Gordon right now is playing like the number two. PJ Tucker is playing your third best option. Chris Paul is your fourth best option. That shouldn't be happening for a guy that's almost going to be making 40 million dollars. Now, this is what I've never understood about NBA players. Get your money, get your max contracts, great, whatever. Don't you ever just think about, "Hey, maybe if I take a little less, we can make a better team, make a better run at this, get some better role players?" Like Chris Paul, you're not a young guy. You're you're in your mid-30s. You've had injury history. Take 30 million. That $8 million gets you a role player or two that could really help you right now. Instead, no. You had to make an example for what these other guys can get. I get it. You're the head of the Players Association, all that. Fine, whatever. But if you're going to take the money, play like you're getting the money. Play like an all-star. Get 20-something points every night, 10 assists. Do what you're supposed to do. We're criticizing Steph. He's a two-time MVP. Step your game up. Step it up for James Harden's sake because he's been doing what Kevin Durant's been doing and carrying the team. But apparently he gets to the fourth quarter and he just can't carry it anymore. So much so that he just stops taking shots. Makes no sense. But seize the moment that's in front of you. Take advantage. Get to the Western Conference Finals, a place you have never been. No, strike that. He's been there. He's never been to the NBA Finals. Take advantage because guess what? This is the best shot you're gonna get, so either seize the moment or step out of the way and let the Warriors just do what the Warriors have been doing. And that's—I mean—that's—it's plain and simple. It's right there in front of them. The most interesting thing about all this, and it leads a little bit into the Bucks-Celtics, is what this injury could potentially mean for Kevin Durant and his summer. Now, granted, it's a calf strain. That's fine. If it was an Achilles, it'd be a whole different ballgame. But if Kevin Durant misses these games, Warriors get kicked out of the playoffs. Free agency basically starts at that point. Now, if you think Kevin Durant's staying, and somehow Klee Thompson is staying, you're crazy. Most believe Durant's going to go to the Knicks, and who might be following him? Kyrie Irving. Which leads us into the whole bucks celtics Bucks completely obliterated the Celtics the next four games after losing Game 1. Kyrie Irving terrible to put it simply he was so bad just awful couldn't hit the side of a barn if he had to to win a game I mean just really really bad and it's honestly left a bad taste it seems in a lot of Celtics fans mouths he hasn't said if he's gonna come back he doesn't like talking to the media he doesn't like the media making assumptions but he doesn't want to tell the media anything so that's what's gonna happen assumptions are gonna be made the assumption is him and KD good friends They're going to team up in New York, go for the Knicks, bring back the glory to the Garden, all that stuff. Which, fine, at this point, I actually think that might be the best thing to happen for the Celtics. Call me crazy. But look at the team the Celtics have. They have a lot of great role players. They do not have a true leader on that team. Kyrie wanted to be that guy. He left Cleveland, forced his way out because he won it. To be the LeBron. He wanted to be the go-to guy. He wanted to be the leader. He wanted to take a team and bring them to greatness. What's happened? Last year he got hurt. Can't do much about that. Celtics makes the Eastern Conference Finals. This year, mass confusion of what the team is throughout the whole season. Questions galore. Kyrie not wanting to take ownership. Not wanting to talk. None of that. You know who doesn't do that? The leader. The guy. The guy. The guy who won him and Kevin Durant, oh my gosh, could you imagine the two of them in New York? Media might just stop going to press conferences. They might just stop doing after-game talks all together with those two. Both of them dislike the media. Both of them get on their high horses about how much they dislike and how it's terrible for the game and all this and that, not realizing you're making millions of dollars playing a game that all of us wish we could. And you can't answer a few questions about why you went one for 30 that night? Just think about that. Pay me $1 million and I will take all the criticism I can get. Tons of it. Throw any question you want, I will answer it to the best of my ability. For a million dollars. $30 million? You can throw a pie in my face while asking me the question. Like seriously, come on, man up. You cannot be the guy if you're not willing to take the blame that the guy does. LeBron has to hear it all the time. Dwayne Wade, when he was on the Heat by himself, had to hear it all the time. Kobe, all these guys, these guys who you hear their name and you go Hall of Famer, all had to deal with the criticism. They could deflect, try to take as much of it as they want to. They still talk to the media. They still try to answer questions. They still took responsibility. But not Kyrie. Kyrie sits there. He mopes. He's like, oh, I don't know. Why are you asking me these questions? I don't get it. Like, stop it. Best thing for the Celtics, I think, is actually if Kyrie leaves. You have a great young core that clearly shows they can excel when he's not around. Let them flourish. Bring in another guy that can be the guy. Anthony Davis, maybe? Maybe. But you got to give a lot up for him. Go after Kawhi. Go after one of these other guys that, if you bring them in, changes the team completely. Because it's not Kyrie. Unless he matures greatly over this summer, it's not him. Let him and KD go to New York. Yeah, they're going to dominate the East for a while, but they're going to have to deal with Giannis. And he by himself might be able to take the East on. If he was on the court by himself, he might be able to take the East on. That's how good he is. Let him go back to L.A. Let him go back to LeBron and be like, I couldn't do it without you. Wouldn't that be something? If he did that, the NBA may lose their minds. NBA fans and players may go bonkers over that. But it'd be interesting. It'd be a great storyline. I've seen the meme all around where it's Thanos just being like, see, you're going to do it without me, little one. And that's exactly how it would be. But Kyrie either needs to be the guy and everything that comes with it, or understand he's a number 2 option on any team he goes to. Because you can't be the number 1 and act not act like the number 1. It's not one or the other. Plain and simple. I mean, what happened in that series was embarrassing. The Celtics looked awful after game 1. None of the games they played were close. I don't think there was a close game in this whole series. So to put it simply, the Celtics the choked. Kyrie definitely choked. I mean, he shot so poorly. Gordon Hayward isn't back to himself yet. None of The team just wasn't where they thought they were going to be. Plain and simple. But who knows what the offseason will bring. I don't think they should sign Kyrie. Kyrie and KD can go to the Knicks. That's if KD does decide to leave the Warriors. They'll be without him now. It came out the whole Western Conference, semis, whatever this is right now that we're in. They won't have them for game six and potentially a game seven if it goes to that. So that's big. I mean, like I said before, the Rockets, take advantage now. This situation doesn't come around every day. Take advantage of it now. Best player in the entire playoffs will not be on the court game six. So besides that for NBA, you already heard I recapped, quote unquote, everything that happened last night. So we're going to move on, but before we do, let's take a quick check-in with how to get some good tickets for not a lot of money. Did you know a recent NBA basketball ticket on 12-Ounce Sports Radio was only $5? That's right. You can buy event tickets on 12-Ounce Sports Radio for extremely low prices. Go to www.12OunceSportsRadio.com and click the event tickets page on the menu and browse. You won't believe how easy and inexpensive it is to attend your next event. So be sure to go to www.12OunceSportsRadio.com and click the event tickets page on our site. Alright, time to get a little bit into baseball now. A lot of stuff going on. Been a lot of storylines happening in baseball right now. Most notably, the Red Sox visiting the White House yesterday caused a lot of issues. But before we get into that, Can we just say, after the first week or two of baseball a month ago, things weren't looking good for some major teams. The Astros were struggling, the Red Sox were struggling, the Cubs were struggling. You look at the standings today, all of them are back to 500 or above. I can say that now because the Red Sox just got back to 500. Thank you, baseball gods. The Cubs and the Astros are now leading their divisions, so... Everything's back to normal. The order of baseball is restored to where it's supposed to be. Except for the Yankees. The Yankees still keep getting hurt. Yeah, it's, it's just weird. I feel bad for them. To an extent. Like I've said. But players just keep getting injured left and right. It's very odd. It's like somebody's purposely like doing wrong stretches and telling them to do the wrong thing. So they pull obliques in and hurt themselves and their arms and all that. It's just very odd. Anyway. Getting into baseball, like I said, Red Sox yesterday went to the White House, like all teams that win championships usually get to do. I don't know. I haven't, I didn't check if they got served fast food. Possibly did. I wouldn't put it past it. Everybody just seems to get fast food now. Kind of weird, to be honest. I mean, you go to the White House for fanciness, for decadence. Supposed to be, the creme de la creme of our country, getting served Big Macs. I don't care if you're a college kid. You kind of, yeah. You can be like, I ate a Big Mac at the White House. Cool, whatever. I want a steak. I want I want a nice prepared meal. I want championship. I think I deserve that. I can get myself a Big Mac, a two for two, whatever meals from any place. I want a nice steak dinner, plain and simple. Keep it easy. Steak, potatoes. Maybe if I'm of age, you know, beer, some champagne, whatever. Whatever you want to give me. Just not fast food. But the big thing going into the White House visit, we're not going to get too political here, just so people know, so stay tuned. This is going to be like a minute. The big thing was all the players of color and everything decided not to go to the White House, which is fine. That is their decision. Alex Cora didn't go as well. The only person of any nationality outside of just being white that went was J.D. Martinez. And plain and simple, it means nothing. Nothing at all. Each player has their own right to do what they want to do. Alex Cora has said, the players have talked about it. There's no division in the locker room. Storylines are just being made up to try to create that and create stir because that's what we do in America. That's what the media does. We try to create storylines half the time when there is none. So the Red Sox had an off day. They go. A bunch of them go to the White House. They go. They meet Trump. That's it. They'll go back today. Play a game. Everything will be back to normal. That's it. Plain and simple. Not a whole bunch to do. And there shouldn't be. It shouldn't be made into anything. The most disastrous thing that happened yesterday was from the White House press Whoever puts up their stuff saying what's happening for the day. Because they announced that the 2018 World Series champion, Boston Red Sox, would be attending. And that sounds normal. Until you look at the spelling of the team name. And no, don't worry. They did not spell red wrong. That would, that would have been horrible. That would have just been laugh out loud funny. But they did, instead of spelling Sox, S-O-X... Like, they have been for years, decades, like past century. They spelled it like the normal way, like S-O-C-K-S. I really actually just had to think about that to make sure I didn't spell it S-O-X. But yeah, they decided, hey, you know what? Let's just spell it the old-fashioned way. Regular socks. Kind of embarrassing. But hey, those type of things happen, especially with a team like that. I'm sure whoever's ever doing it. Probably not a huge sports person, and if they are, probably not paying attention. I mean, if they're working in the White House, they got a lot bigger things to deal with on a daily basis. So that was really the big storyline coming out of that whole visit yesterday, was just the fact that somebody could not spell the team name correctly. Kind of funny. Everybody had a good time with that, making jokes here and there, talking about, oh, I hope they wore their nice socks when the red socks. And you, you could you just go on Twitter, plain and simple. But besides that, that's it. That was the whole thing. Kit and Caboodle with the White House visit. See, told you. It wasn't going to be bad. It was going to be painless. All right, moving on. Uh, we had a no-hitter the first of the season. Mike Fears of the A's pitched his second career no-hitter against the Reds. Or as Mike from the Craft Brewed Sports has been calling him, the Red Asses. It, I mean... Yeah, they look, it was pretty bad. Getting no hit is never good. Especially after they put a bunch of runs the past few games. Like, offense just disappeared. The more interesting thing is the fact that he pitched over 130 pitches to get this no hitter. Usually, you only allow a pitcher to go into the 110s chasing something like this. But, Fierce is in his 30s. Who knows if he'll get another chance at this. The A's aren't. I mean, I thought they might be a wild card contender. Right now, their their record. They started off hot and they've cooled down quite a lot. So you know, it's something. Maybe it's the thing that the team needed. Gets it. Gets it going. And to put it simply, everybody was talking about it. So every the manager, everybody, everybody had a part of the conversation of whether to keep him in or take him out. They decided to keep him in. He got the no hitter. It's great. It's also a little cool for MLB history. It's the 300th ever no-hitter pitched. So when you put that into perspective, still doesn't happen that often, so it's always cool to see. I mean, perfect games are obviously much more impressive. But no-hitters, pretty impressive. Right up there. Another pitching feat that happened this week, uh, Chris Sale, forgot to mention earlier, pitched an immaculate inning. And if you don't know what that is, that is when you throw nine pitches for nine strikes and get three outs. Pretty awesome. So, doesn't happen all that often either. So, yeah, two big pitching things happen. On the other end of the spectrum, you have our weird fact for the week. So, real quick, cue the sound. Weird fact. Weird fact for the week comes to us from Joey Gallo. Yes, Big Bomb Gallo. Hit his 100th career home run. Pretty impressive. He did it in 377 games, which makes him the fastest in AL history to do so. Seems pretty good. Is that the weird fact? No. The weird fact is he has 100 home runs and 93 singles. He has more home runs than singles in his career. He overall only has 249 career hits. So, 193 of those hits, since he's been playing, have been either a home run or a single. He has a lot more strikeouts than that, I can tell you that. He is literally the epitome of a boom or bust hitter. Which, eh. I mean, every team has at least one or two of those guys, usually. Especially on teams that aren't spending tons of money. It's just just how it goes. So, it's kind of a weird fact to me. Imagine the fact that you can hit more home runs than base hits. It's just, it's it's weird. That's why it's the weird fact, I guess. And that's why that's been this week's weird fact. All right, so besides that, last thing I want to get to with baseball. I know I said there was a lot, but I'm kind of just flying through it, feeling it. But this is probably going to take me a few minutes. I'm going to probably go on a rant. It's what we do here. It's a sports dance. It's just how it is. You know it, I know it. We're in this together, though, and that's what really matters, right? We're going to talk about Tim Anderson. And we talked about him a few weeks ago when it came to unwritten rules of baseball. And it's a discussion that Scott from Craft Sports and I love having. We talk about it not to just to each other, but into the Twitter, Twitterverse all the time whenever something like this happens. Tim Anderson, if you don't remember, major bat flipper on home runs. Let the kids have, Let the kids play, let the kids have fun. Didn't go over so well. I think it was against the Royals. They threw at him. There was a scuffle. He was suspended. Pitcher was suspended. Came a thing of like, hey, these unwritten rules need to stop being a thing. Well, Tim Anderson had a new interview come out. He was talking about it. And in there, he made a comment that has been so manipulated to make it sound like he's kind of cocky and thinks he's bigger than he is. He said, he's the new Jackie Robinson of baseball. Now you hear that, and you think, what? Yeah, exactly. You think, wow, this guy is very full of himself. For a guy that has not had a long track record to look at to prove that he is as worthy of a compliment to himself as being compared to Jackie Robinson. Now, also, if you didn't read the comments or listen or care to read the stories about when he made the comment, you would also just think he's saying this because Tim Anderson is an African-American, which there is a declining number of them in Major League Baseball. So you're probably thinking, oh, he thinks he's like the next Jackie Robinson, maybe going to get a lot more African-Americans interested in playing baseball again, back into it to raise the numbers. No, not what he was saying again. This is why reading stories and articles is important in reading all of the quotes and everything, not just little tidbits. What he was saying is, he's the Jackie Robinson of baseball because he's trying to bring fun back into baseball. He's saying, whereas Jackie Robinson brought the whole new era of having African Americans and other people from other countries coming into major leagues and being part of teams and creating a multicultural MLB. He is trying to be that version, but for fun, with the let the kids play, the bat flips, getting rid of the unwritten rules. And it makes sense. We don't see a lot of guys constantly bat flip. He has. He has tried to make it fun. He has had a good time while doing it. And it's enjoyable to watch. These unwritten rules, we've been saying it forever, need to st- just stop being implied. Because guess what? What? Ask Tim Anderson, what are the unwritten rules of baseball? You know what his response is? Don't know. He doesn't know what the unwritten rules are. Half the guys in this league, I bet, don't understand what the rules are. And by that, I mean the unwritten ones. You have only a few guys that really try to hold on to what those are. Beating a guy if your guy gets beamed. Throwing behind the back to give him a warning after he hit a home run. All these different things that are not spoken of But understood. And Tim Anderson could care less. He was on the Dan Levitard show. Giving an interview. And they asked him what he thought about something else going on in baseball. And he goes, I don't really know. I don't keep up with baseball that much. Think about that answer. He is the AL player of the month. And he even admits. He doesn't pay attention to baseball as much because he finds it boring. I get it. I love baseball. I love the strategy. I love all of it in general. It's just it's just how it was raised. I love baseball. I love everything about it. But I can admit, it can be boring. I love a pitcher's duel myself. Most people don't. They want to see home runs. And that's what Tim Anderson is trying to do. And when he hits them, he's going to have fun with it. Because guess what? Most of the time, most players only hit around 20 of those a season. Unless you're Joey Gallo, who hits way more of those than singles, like we talked about. But most guys are in that 20s range for hitting home runs, and it's an exciting thing to hit a ball out of a park. Do you remember as a kid, if you played Little League, maybe you were a guy that hit a ton of home runs. Maybe you weren't. But when you got one, it felt awesome. You felt so good about yourself. You had a smile running the bases. You probably had friends on the other team who you kind of poke and be like, look what I did. It was just, it was a great thing. It was a great feeling. And that's, we're trying to bring fun back to baseball and guys like Tim Anderson need to feel like they can have fun and not care about potential consequences because there shouldn't be any consequences for having fun. Plain and simple, baseball is a game that we as kids played in the summer and had a blast with. Nothing changes when you get to the higher levels outside of, you're getting paid millions of dollars to do it. If you're a pitcher, say it all the time. If you don't want to get shown up, do something about it. Strike the guy out. Make yourself better. Throw that curveball a little harder. Get that slider. Get a little more movement. Do what you have to do. So Tim Anderson's of the game can't bat flip on you and showboat. Because guess what? Strike him out. You can showboat. That's all it is. That's all it comes down to. You out to the other guy. You get to have the fun not that hard of a concept so it's really funny to see the reactions people have been so mad about it but other people have fully understand what he's trying to do what he's saying and looking at it and being like yeah i mean the best thing baseball did this year was that commercial with all the young stars and having a good time we need to see more of that we need more interaction The NFL is taken away, mic'd up from the NFL Network, which is always one of the best things to listen to guys in-game talking. Baseball needs to do more of that. They need to have the guys mic'd up so we can hear them, hear their conversations, hear them having fun, just because most people don't understand these guys and their personalities. We see them in the field. Unless you're a super fan of the team and really just watch every game, all interviews, you don't know what these guys are like. It's not like football and basketball where you see, feel like you see these guys on camera after the game all the time. You don't. Baseball needs to change that. We have every avenue to do so. Baseball has done a great job this year, especially with their Twitter game and social media in general, tweeting out clips, doing the pick a guy to watch for the night for on Twitter. Just I mean, in general, they are trying everything they can to get fans involved which is fantastic. So guys like Tim Anderson, I hope there's more of them. I hope more guys start coming out of their shell, start bat flipping. Vladimir Guerrero Jr. you know is going to be one of those guys, so hopefully he can start getting hot and do it all the time. Because guess what? He's as young as you're going to get in this league, and he's going to be around for a while. Let's have fun watching him. Plain and simple. I know I say plain and simple a lot, but, I mean, it really is. Just keep it easy. There doesn't need any strings attached to anything. Let pit, Guys, bat flip. Let pitchers celebrate. Let it all happen. So Tim Anderson, you keep doing what you're doing. I'm going to keep here being here supporting you. So besides that, that's all I got for the MLB. Last, before a quick note at the end, we're going to talk some NHL. I know. It blows my mind, too. I am talking about the NHL more than I've ever talked about it. I'm watching games. I'm being invested. It's fun. Playoff hockey is fun. I've said this before. Stanley Cup playoff hockey I get into because the games, well, they matter to me more. And even if I don't support any team specifically, I like watching all of them and following storylines. People in Massachusetts where I am are excited with the Bruins. But... Besides that, we've had a lot of overtime games. We had two Game 7s to decide who goes to the conference championships. And the one thing I want to talk about with all of it is Pat Maroon of the St. Louis Blues. If you don't know about him, it's fine. I didn't know about him until a few days ago. Game 7, double overtime. He hits the game winner. Puts it in the back of the net. He celebrates that they cut to his kid in the crowd who is crying his eyes out because of how proud he is of his dad. And the crazy thing about it is Maroon could have taken more money this year to play for another team and doubled his salary. He made $1.75 million this year, I believe. He could have made $3.5 million, which for hockey, big deal. You don't get the contracts like you do in other sports. He takes the hometown discount. Stays close to his kid because for the past few years, he has been on, I believe it was 10 different teams within eight cities. So he's been on a few teams more than once, but he's been all over the place. He hasn't been able to be at in one spot, be at home on a consistent basis. So he takes that pay cut. He does what he needs to. He puts the game winner and sends his team to the conference championship, hit the glory of music. Everybody's having a blast. And his kid is happy as can be. Emotions take over. And it's just an awesome moment to watch. Especially as a new dad. It's just a cool thing to see. Emotions that you never thought you were going to have. You have now. That's just how it is. If you have kids, you understand. If you don't have kids and you one day do, you'll get it. But it was just cool to watch. The Bruins advanced in six games. The Sharks advanced in double overtime the other night against the Avs. So you have... I believe it's sharks and blues and Bruins and Hurricanes. I believe it'll probably be the Bruins. I don't know in the West who I'm gonna go with. I think the Bruins overall are just better than the Hurricanes. Tukaraski is playing out of his mind right now. He is standing on his head making saves galore. In the West, I'm just gonna take I'm just gonna go with the Blues for Pat Maroon. Plain and simple. Unless, unless somebody else decides to steal Storyline. And take my, take my emotions for a ride. I'm going to go with the blues. Plus the fact they play the song Gloria after all the wins and people love it. It's just a good time. Makes you feel good. Makes you feel happy. That's some NHL talk, though. That's a Let's talk that hockey. You know what it is. If you don't know what that line is, just look up Chance the Rapper, SNL. It's a great skit about hockey. And it literally makes everybody who doesn't watch hockey understand. Everybody that doesn't watch co- hockey on a consistent basis will get it. And last, on a quick note, the NFL had one major announcement today, and it wasn't the league itself, it was a player. Telvin Smith, the Jaguars linebacker who has played phenomenal for them the past few seasons, will not be playing in 2019. The reason? It's not an injury, nothing like that. He just wants a year off to heal. He wants a year off to spend with his family. I get it. We're seeing consistently guys retire young. I mean, Gronk just is going to be 30, just turned 30. He's done. A lot of guys retire young now. Whether it's from concerns with CTE or other things, who knows. But most of them now just don't want to risk playing long careers and having their bodies torn to shred. Because when they're older that's when it really kicks in and they have to deal with all these nagging things that they had as players. So Telvin Smith, the thing that is interesting about this is he announced it on Instagram and come to find out he never talked to the coach or ownership about this decision. He just posted on Instagram before any of that. It's hard. I just, I don't get it. If you have this decision and you know you're going to make it, Talk to the team first. The NFL draft was only a few weeks ago. Luckily, the Jags picked up a guy that can replace him. But if you had even an inkling about this decision, you should have gone to the coaches. You should have talked to them said, hey, I'm not playing this year. These are my reasons. Like, plan accordingly. Instead now, he might come back in 2020. He said it depends on how this year goes. But it is what it is. Guys are now just leaving on a whim. And you can't blame them. Football, if you've played it, especially since you were a kid, that is a lot, a lot of anger and aggression. I don't know why I said anger and aggression. That's not what I meant. There's a lot of just physicality. That's what I was trying to say. There's a lot of physicality in the game of football. Guys can get hurt so young, get concussions, all these different things. And they add up over the years, especially once you get to high school, college, and then the pros if you're lucky enough. So, I mean, good for him for realizing he needs a year off. If he comes back, I'm sure the Jags will take him with open arms. And if they don't want him, another team will gladly pick him up. He's a very talented player. But you got to do what's best for you. The only thing I suggest is, even though I know there's no I know all the guys that you know listen to me in the NFL right now are not focusing on this podcast. They're just like listening, but you know, it's noise in the background. But guys, if you're listening, if you're gonna do this, just let management know. Let the coaches know before you announce it to social media and announce it to everybody else. Tell your teammates, tell everybody in this organization that you should and actually should consider before making this announcement so public. Consider telling them first, because then they can actually be prepared, have statements, understand what's happening, instead of just having a blanket, I don't know what happened type thing, reaction to it, like they're going to have right now. And that's all I ask. That's been it for this week, though. That's the show. Hope you enjoyed it. Hope you have a good weekend. Hopefully every mom out there has a great Mother's Day. You all deserve it. You put up with all your kids and your husbands and everybody else that you have to deal with on a regular basis. So moms, have a happy Mother's Day. Everybody else, enjoy your weekend. Treat your moms right. That's all I ask. Have a good one. The Sports sports Stance.